Now, Bobby, listen, this is very important. He also gets to keep his stripes. As far as the feds are concerned, they got the boss of the family in jail, awaiting trial. Even if they hear different, it creates confusion. Got it. Now, as far as the rest of everything that Junior owned, it's now mine. I'll get this to him, Tony. To the victor belongs to spoils. Why don't you get the fuck out of here before I shove your quotations book up your fat fucking ass? To the victor goes the spoils indeed. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Sopranos sit-down. I am Jim Scampoli. I am Jacob Burrows, your rambunctious teen who's now getting ready to tell the world he knows what's what. He's going to tell you all about DNA this week. Or was it DNR? Can't quite remember. We're here to talk about episode two of season two of The Sopranos. How you doing, Jim? I am doing great. And yes, this episode entitled Do Not Resuscitate. It was written by Robin Green, Mitchell Burgess, and Frank Renzulli, all familiar names. Uh, typically, Robin Green and Mitchell Bur- uh, Burgess work together because they are married. Uh, they also wrote the episodes Down Neck, Boca, and Isabella. And Frank Renzulli uh, also wrote uh, Pax Soprana, The Legend of Tennessee Maltesanti, a hit is a hit. Nobody knows anything. And, of course, do not resuscitate, resuscitate. We will see these names again in the future. These people are all still, like, leftovers from Northern Exposure, uh, mm-hmm. that other show that David Chase worked on. So I guess, you know, made some friends there. And directed by none other than Martin Brussel. And this is the only uh, episode he worked on and will ever work on. I'm calling it now. We might need to, like, after we've run out of uh, podcast material in this rich Sopranos mine, we may need to start Northern Overexposure <laughs> just to sort of go into his back catalog as well. Because uh, David Chase, what a great writer. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and there's one thing we did miss is on that episode, uh, Down Neck, the one with the flashbacks. Um, you remember when Tony gets off the bus? Well, little Tony in the 60s, he gets off the bus and he like spits and throws trash on the ground or whatever. And he gets Vaguely. and he gets chased by three black kids. One of those kids is Michael B. Jordan himself in his very first acting role. Whoa. So there That's you go. Crazy. Little trivia for you. But now back to Soprano season two. Do not resuscitate. I will say overall, this is kind of a down episode for me. Um I don't know why. I guess it's just it seemed uh, I don't want to say off. I guess it's just things are settling in. It's a classic episode two of a season or of a series or what have you, where it's like, all right, we're back. Bing, bang, a boom. Now it's like, all right, let's get into business as usual. Let's not get too excited. This is a marathon, not a sprint. That's interesting because I actually uh, did not feel that way. I felt a bit maybe that way last time Mm. and this time i felt like oh now i start to see what this season is gonna be because if you're a new listener jim knows what this season is gonna be he's watched every episode of the sopranos i've watched none episodes that's not true i watched every every episode up to this point otherwise it would be a silly podcast (laughs) um but uh yeah i i felt like oh okay now i see where these storylines are starting to kind of go and i'm digging it uh so that's why i was more on board with it Um, Before we get into the actual episode, I did want to mention that uh, I just realized not only can you leave reviews on iTunes, you can also leave reviews on other platforms such as Stitcher, where this review is from. I've been a huge fan of The Sopranos since it originally aired. Your podcast is great. 
You see why we read these at the start, right? Just in case you're not sold on the concept. One suggestion. Jacob needs to speak up. I spend my time adjusting my volume because Jim is loud and clear, but Jacob speaks so softly. Difficult when listening while doing something else because I can't hear what Jacob is saying without adjusting the volume. Otherwise, great content. I also like that you don't spend 10 minutes discussing other TV shows like another Sopranos podcast. If I wanted to hear about Mad Men, I'd listen to a Mad Men podcast. Keep up the good work. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'll am i try to be more of a man and speak up. Well, yeah, Not a, a madman. A few things from that review. I mean, first of all, we appreciate the reviews. If you do get any enjoyment out of the show, we uh, appreciate if you'd leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or what have you. Um, and also send some feedback to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Uh, the other thing is, yes, we've worked a little bit. I know we've had some issues with the audio. We appreciate your patience. I feel like we're getting... Uh, we're in a much better place, and I think we've kind of cracked the code. Uh, yep. Let us know if you've had issues on your end, though. And then the last thing, uh, I feel like this person's entering us into some sort of mob battle, or uh, you, we have to go to the mattresses against whatever mm -hmm. shots uh, they threw at. Because I'm not, I'm not familiar with what podcast they're like subtweeting in that review because yes. uh I, I, well we're, we're he's vicariously starting beef there are others like don't look into it guys if you're with us you're with us okay you can't jump ship it's like when you try to get out of the mob we'll come after you uh but my point is there are other sopranos podcast uh podcasts some running right now so yeah there's there's clearly beef and one of them right? that clearly spends a lot of time talking about madman which uh yeah. i also frown upon although we did do an episode on goodfellas i hope that didn't turn <laughs> you off i felt like we kept it on topic with sopranos yes and not to get too into this but the audio issue it's less about speaking volume more about our different microphones uh jim's shaking his head but he's but he's a liar because he has a dynamic microphone i have a condenser microphone and just with the way things are set up that's caused some issues for us he's shaking his head he's a liar um but uh we we as i said uh, or as jim said rather we think we've cracked the code and feel free to let us know if there's any such slips but it should be a bit more well balanced since i feel like uh, it's, season two it's mostly a cultural thing because you know i'm <laughs> from the united states and of course yeah. like the sopranos takes place in the united states we're very bold, boisterous. Yeah. We we speak out and and we're not afraid. But then you're from Sweden and you know you're very like small, uh, soft spoken and uh, yeah, small. Yeah, small. Uh, yeah, anyway. yeah. It's nothing to do with the fact that your gain auto adjusts. While if I do that, I start clipping. Of yeah. course. But anyways, not, not uh, we're, yeah. We're, enough we're, about that. Yeah, we're working on it. It should be better. I hope. Uh, so yes, with Sopranos, do not resuscitate season two, episode two. Now. What is your thoughts on the relationship now of Tony and Uncle Junior? Does it feel like they're moving? Is it too fast that things seem kind of settled, or did it make sense for you? Maybe a little fast, um, because I, I like the start of this episode, like the first thing Tony says when he picks up the phone in jail or prison. I never know which is which, um, but he, he picks up the prison jail phone and says like three weeks to put me on the visitors list which is like you just tried to kill each other but that's the thing he's gonna be annoyed about and complain about which sort of sets the tone for what's going on it is a bit quick to then at the end of the episode he's sort of uh carrying him like a new bride across the <laughs> threshold of his home yeah. uh but I, what do you think uh yeah i mean i guess in full hindsight like by the end of the episode it kind of makes sense that they're in a better place, but it feels like they get there 
they're already there almost. Like I get what they're trying to do where it's almost like he sees them in a vulnerable state and it's like this is my uncle, we're family, we've had we had beef in the past, but uh, you know, cuz he has that line. I know we're kind of talking about the end already, but uh he has that line where he's like, "Hey, you listen to me, like you're not going anywhere." Like, you know, he doesn't want him to be hurt, and he doesn't want him to die. Um but it just feels I mean, I guess it's Tony does say it's because he wants him to kind of keep the 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 title and still be like the boss that's in prison. It's just so tough because I love the character and I don't it's like I don't want him to go. So I'm like fine with it. But it does almost feel a little too premature that we're already at this point, I would say. Well, you know, you know what? I, I think it makes sense for me because his anger, Tony's anger has always been directed at his mother and that shows no sign of lessening at this point due to all the issues he had and that we explored through season one that all came to a head and a boiling point of he has so much rage towards that and it's affecting him so much. It's almost like he doesn't have any anger left over and in a way uh, it's almost like he would have had to do the same thing in that position. He was running shit from like behind his back. And uh, Junior does say it on the tape. Like, I don't want to do this, but like, if I don't act now, like, who am I? What am I? This is what I have to do. And it's almost like following the code in the same way that, you know, you can't snitch even if you're fucked for life um, in, in their uh, sort of ethos and in, in the way they behave. So I almost feel like they, they summarize it in this first conversation where they say, like, I, I like... Tony rubs his face in it a little bit and he's like, you calm down. It could have easily gone the other way, but they both seem kind of fine with it because neither of them actually wanted to kill each other. That said, if there would have been maybe one episode of Junior just being really mad at him or the other way around, that probably would have made it feel a bit more balanced. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it also, they do revisit it when they have that meeting in the doctor's office and Junior does say like all my captains meeting behind my back uh at at green grove and what have you um it's just tough to not think about how or maybe i guess maybe tony is grateful in a way because his attempted hit did like snap him out of his depression for at least a little while because that i keep going back to him having to dodge bullets as he's drinking his orange juice and then i'm like how can you forgive this man but i guess in a way it was a blessing in disguise and you're right it does more come down to livia soprano and that relationship uh, and all the other mob stuff kind of stacks up as it should, uh, where maybe Tony does understand that Junior had to make a move, and in the end, things did all work out kind of uh, in his best interest. So I guess it does make sense. And plus, like I said, I love the Uncle Junior character, so I'd hate for it to be like Tony has to get revenge, and then they kill him, and we don't have this character anymore. Yeah, and... Um uh, before I forget, I also wanted to mention the review from the start was by Memory Jackie. So just if, if, if any of you are thinking about leaving a review and we're like, oh, we don't even care who leaves these, <laughs> just wanted to throw that in there. You will get read on the show. Please leave a review, okay. preferably on iTunes, but wherever you hang out, really. Um, yes, and he, Tony does bring it up several times uh, where where he says, like, she played you. She played you like this. Because in his mind, it seems like, yes, Junior had to do this, but... It's almost like Junior didn't take the decision. He was just like the gun in Olivia's hand, in Tony's mind at least. Yeah, and I think at the very least, the groundwork they're laying here with Junior really trying to push Tony to make amends, even if it's just for uh, image purposes and perception, 
like that stuff is making sense uh, because, you know, we've already seen people uh, talking out of turn about how Tony um, Tony's mom wanted to have him whacked. And that is putting up a different uh, perception on the streets for what uh, this, you know, power mafia is trying to. Uh, you know, yep. set up out there. So it makes sense that they're trying to push that to at least get some sort of resolution between Livia and Tony. But I mean, we'll see where that goes. Yes, we'll see where that goes. Uh, yeah, and they and they do kind of bond over. Neither of them want people talking shit about the Sopranos. And that's kind of interesting because it ties back to, you know, Junior's hunching down in the back seat while killing some guy just for running his mouth. And they're both on the same page with that. They're like, okay, this is resolved now. Now let's murder everyone who has anything to say about it because this is our business. It's family business. Um, so next scene, we're, sho- we're shown a protest outside a construction site uh, where a reverend is leading the protest and he sort of shows off his pop-up. And uh, they're talking about no more cutting us out of the dream. And they do this chant, what do we want? Jobs, when do we want it now? And my first thought was, wow, people actually do those chants in real life? <laughs> and then my second thought was, this is a TV show, Jacob. <laughs> but it feels like such real life sometimes, doesn't it? It does, it does. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of figured where I, when I saw this scene, like, okay, something with unions. It's going to be one of those union things. But I didn't really know what was uh, what was up. Yeah, they're just kind of planting some seeds here. Uh, you know, some some turmoil on the construction uh, set where we know we do know that uh, obviously the Sopranos family does wet their beaks. So we'll see how that plays out. Yes. Then there's a hilarious scene where Tony is watering his asphalt uh, with a cigar. And uh, he confronts his sister about the real estate sign. And she says, no, I, didn't, I just want my friend to sell it, which is a lie. Uh, but so she kind of weans him down or, like, picks away at him Olivia style. Like, just one thing at a time and get you to where I want you to go. And, and Tony's, like, so mad. But, like, he's right that she's lying to him now because we know later she wants the house. But she just says, no, no, we just want to save some money, the 3%. And it's almost like it would have been more honest to say, yeah, I want the fucking house. And then he could have yelled at her and maybe they could have resolved it. But, no, it's like, oh, no, I just want my friend to sell it. You know, the one with the mole. Yeah, she's really good because we, we see how this all plays out. It starts with this. Then it's, like, just getting him to agree later on to allow her friend to take the commission and then make a little may, potentially make some more money off the home sale and then we see that it even plays out even further to just taking care of ma at her house and i love that cuz tony's so mad about everything that's happening but he's also really mad that his his mom's car is in his driveway like it's just another reminder again of his mother and of course where we know this relationship's at at this point and plus uh... like you said janice is kind of channeling her in a lot of ways so uh it's really getting tony to a point where he has to wrestle with a garden hose while he's spraying his lawn because he's so furious yes which i turned into a great gift which you can see at twitter.com slash shows what you know that's you with the letter u i think we're getting Um, good at branding now yeah, we're getting there. So uh, Janice goes to see her mother, Olivia, and it's pretty nice, actually, to see Olivia Soprano hacking away at someone else for a change because we've seen her go at Tony a lot, at Carmilla a bit, but then it's kind of like, that's it, and now we're already annoyed at Janice from the previous scene, so we get to see that play out a little bit, except Janice has this mentality of like, oh, 
I'm out of here. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm gone, which is what we kind of wish Tony would have done in uh, season one, episode two. Yeah, you're right. It is nice to see, um, yeah, to see like the, the same thing we've seen, how Tony getting kind of uh, needled down, and we're seeing that same thing with, uh, with Livia and Janice. But then also Janice kind of deserves it because even though we don't know Janice that well, we know that she's just up to no good here uh, and trying to you know, uh, play everyone against each other so she can get stuff for herself, which I guess it's all par for the course. It all comes back to her mother. They all need therapy and they all need to complain about Livia Soprano and therapy. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, so then we see this construction manager uh, goes to see Tony and they do a walk and talk across the parking lot where there's some fast west wing styles back and forth of like i need you to do this no you did this in the past no i'm doing this but the gist of it is um that uh he wants tony to fix the whole reverend protest situation yeah and it's kind of like uh tying it to junior because this is like junior's turf basically and a lot of this episode is setting up how tony's like taking over all of that he's still letting junior get a little piece but clearly tony is getting the bulk of it uh, and this is kind of like another weird step towards letting these kind of normies, the people outside of the family, realize that Tony's the one they should be talking to now that, you know, Junior's indisposed. But doesn't he literally say like, oh, that's my Uncle Junior's play, like thing, not me. Why are you talking to me? Because he's kind of playing hard to d to get. Yes. Yeah, it's just classic, like, you know, kind of like when they had Hesh uh, and... They like were playing it like, oh, you know, why are you talking to me? You should be talking to Uncle Junior. He's the boss. But hey, I'll mm -hmm. agree to it. Sit down. It's just make the person think that it's their idea when he's kind of pulling all the strings all along. Yes. Speaking of which, we're at Satriatelli's. Satriatelli's. And yeah, I you knew got it. I wasn't pretty much got it. Said it. It's like I see the beginning of the word and the end, and I just hope. <laughs> I just live on hope. Uh, we're introduced to this new guy, Bobby, who's the last man standing of Junior's crew, as far as I can tell. And I think they make Pussy walk in before him to make him seem even bigger, because Pussy's already a big guy. And then he comes in, and it's like he's like a Hulk. Um, and Tony tells Bobby that Junior's still going to earn 5%, um, and he's going to have the whole joint-fitting union thing. I still don't know what the hell that means, but I assume it has to do with joints and fitting them together. And he's going to be officially the leader, which is like, they didn't even think that when they were arresting him, but whatever, Tony. Yeah, and I mean, didn't we, we even saw in the first episode that they already have it, like, his picture on the board or whatever. They're already kind of on to him, but Tony yeah. wants to keep this alive. And back to kind of what they're talking about, and I don't, yeah, like the joint fitters union, and even when he's talking to the construction guy, they're talking about no-show jobs. And they talk about that a lot, like even further in the, in the series. And I never bothered looking it up, but I just assumed it's something to do with union pay for sick days that they're somehow just scheming i don't know it's just something something that they're ripping off from people that need it apparently yeah okay good as they should um so then uh, like also though they probably showed pussy in the previous scene to remind us 
that he is hanging out with Tony because the next fucking scene, this piece of shit is having a cardial injection, whatever the hell that is, a little treatment for his bad back. Ooh, I got such a bad back. Ooh, I'm pussy. And then I'm like, who's this guy in the car? And I had to watch this scene twice because I still didn't get it. Like, what, what are they talking about? And I watched it twice. And then it's like, Tony doesn't know he's back yet. Jesus Christ, no. And I'm like, what? Okay. But then he's talking about playing both ends and uh, saying you've been with on our tits since 98 and my honest reaction was 20 years 20 years yeah. pussy yeah. but uh i'm an idiot obviously that's not the case i had the same but thought he- at first too. i'm like oh wait i have to remind myself it's like the it's the end of 99 or the beginning of 2000 it's not that long ago so you know what uh paulie uh, needs like five apologies from me he should have taken this guy out even without seeing the wire because he was right. Well, you know what? I was going to ask you about this scene, too, because even knowing where Big Pussy was at, I was like, wait, it's so weird how they just kind of drop it on you. Yeah. And and they're the scene, they're just talking. And it's like if you miss a few of the words, you don't understand that he's saying, like, you know, the government's teat and you're an informant like it. It, and it doesn't even come back up again. And it's confusing because, yeah, he's saying he hasn't met Tony. And I don't know, maybe it was, uh, I mean, obviously the, the easiest way to read that is just that he's lying to the guy. But, you know, having mm-hmm. watched like Breaking Bad and stuff, you never know. Like, wait a minute, are they doing a time thing? Is this a fl- quick flashback just to let us know? Uh, but, yes, they. I forgot that they just kind of just dump it in your laps. Here you go, audience. Uh, he is working with the... FBI, uh, and the guy even says, you know, Jimmy Altieri ate the bullet for you. So does that open it up again that maybe Jimmy wasn't a rat? Mm, he could have eaten the bull- bullet anyway, right? Very true. Very true. I just like bringing up this argument. <laughs> yeah, of course. So it, it does seem like it's never going to really be resolved. If he was, he l- never delivered anything like what a what a useless rat at least pussy's big pussy is a consistent except he is playing both ends i guess that's kind of the redeeming quality if you like a fucking snape in the grass Mm -hmm. literally like severus snape playing both ends over here because uh because he is lying to the government and he's lying to tony so he's just a double piece of shit who's trying to get the most out of the situation at the same time they make it clear like he's he's in this and you can't just like you can't quit being in the mob, you also can't really quit being an informant because yeah. guess what? There's leverage. So you're like a double agent now. Have a nice life. Yeah, and what I I mentioned last week, I want to put a footnote in the scene when um, Big Pussy asks Silvio to do his Godfather impressions. Uh, towards the end of the impression, he does he does the Pacino, I believe, the Pacino ca- character Michael when he says, "Our true enemy has yet to reveal himself." And then the first shot you see after that is they cuts to Big Pussy laughing. And that's definitely on purpose. They're letting you know the true enemy. He's yet to reveal himself. Damn, Big Pussy. (laughs) Well, I, you know, I ain't seen him inform on nothing. Like, I haven't seen him give anything over yet. Uh, And honestly, I have another theory about a rat that I will bring up later that will actually be the end of Tony. You might know what I'm talking about, but we'll get to it. Uh, but yeah, fuck that guy. But then he's so likable. But fuck that guy. But oh my goodness, what uh, like 
all this, you know, stress and uh, wonder for Tony and little, and it is his his good friend behind his back. Can you believe it? Can you believe this shit? Yeah, well, his it, good friend that he said in that episode he was a good friend with, and we didn't really see that much in the season. But he went into a depression. Surely they are good friends. And uh, I'm I'm even wondering, like, I bet you this guy's back doesn't even hurt. <laughs> I mean, it could be, could be. Why not? Uh, he got he's on the government till you know he's got his chauffeur bringing him back and forth. I think the issue was as well. I mean, the other guy's clearly an undercover type guy because he's not you know, in uniform or nothing, which uh, is pretty smart of them. Uh, but that also confused me because I'm an idiot. Like, no, no, he can't be a cop. Like, he's not talking like a like a copper would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because he just seems like some other mob schlub. Like, you're, you're, yes. Because at first you even have to wonder, like, wait, is he, a, you know, a New York guy? Is he from a different family? What's going on here? But it's just because oh, yeah. he's from, he's from a different family all right <laughs> family of the united states it's just cuz uh, we in a don't bad way i mean we don't want to admit to ourselves that uh, big pussy's an, inf- an informant yeah so junior faces a judge uh wearing a you know doing the classic thing of putting on some extra uh extra bandages and a thing up his nose i don't he doesn't actually have bandages but you get the idea cuz they're in front of this judge talking about trying to get him out uh awaiting trial and uh he gets an electronic bracelet because he says it sounds like Nazi Germany, and the judge says, uh, clearly, you need a history lesson. And uh, his uh, junior's lawyer is like, we're both Jewish. Uh, like, you know, we're so Jewish. Can't we work this out? And he's like, no, 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 electronic bracelet. Um, he probably would have gotten out without it because that judge raised his eyebrows when they requested it. But then they went with it. Yep, Junior, because uh, Junior's just playing it up so well. Yeah, he wants to be sickly old man, and he's got the oxygen tank. And even he's acting like he doesn't know what house arrest is. You know, uh, like, are you familiar with house arrest? And he's just like, no. <laughs> and then, yeah, he, he plays his hand a little too far uh, by comparing wearing an ankle bracelet <laughs> to Nazi Germany, which kind of seals his fate. But, hey, he doesn't have to be in prison, at least. Yeah, that's true. Um, so then we have, um, Tony going to see the Reverend and, uh, the Reverend's not there, but his dad's there. So they have some Coke and talk about history. Yes. Yeah. And the, the actor, Bill Cobbs, like he's one of those guys you like seeing a lot of things and, uh, and there's a reason because he's great. And I started getting all misty eyed thinking like, oh my God, is this guy dead now? He's still alive. I'm happily to to report. (laughs) Whoa. How old is he? Because he's already talking about how incredibly old he is he's, in 2000. He's actually only 83 now, so he wasn't uh. he wasn't 80 20, 20 years ago when he's in this episode. But <laughs> well, yeah, that makes sense because they're talking about how good he looks for his age. <laughs> oh, and it, and it's interesting too. Like it's hard to even imagine. Was the History Channel a new thing even in the year 2000? Because you know how Tony's like. You ever watch the History Channel? I don't know if he's acting like that because the guy's old or because it's a weird thing to talk about. Um, well, I guess it was like, do you ever watch the History Channel? It's full of bullshit. That's how we'd know it would be present day. Yes. Uh, but then if it's actual history, then it must be very, very new, I assume. Yeah. And, and I have no idea. We don't have that here. But it says it's founded in 95. Oh, uh, well, I guess it's fairly recent then. Like, say this takes place. the. I mean, the episode aired in January 2000. Um mm-hmm. And I mean, because it it evens out either way, because the way that the the grandfather or the father, I should say, talks is he says uh, television, 
and then uh, Tony, like the old, this was the old answer. Like people would always say, I don't watch TV except the History Channel because it was mm-hmm. thought of as this, you know, learned thing because you were watching the History Channel. And oh, did that go south? Because <laughs> yeah, as we know here in present day. Yeah, like when you say, I, I ju- don't listen to music, just country and hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they talk a bit about freedom and like Moses and the Red Sea. And then Tony's like, I'll be back another time. And, you know, this scene also plays pretty different if you've seen the episode or if you haven't. Because if you haven't seen the episode, it's like he's there to threaten the Reverend. Like, that's what you assume. Oh, yeah. Um, Except, obviously, we find out that's not the case. But thinking that, I thought, oh, it's weird that he's uh, just uh, there on his own. Um, Which also is perfectly resolved by the end of the episode. Which builds a sort of weird uh, mystery almost about uh, the plan and what's going on. Part of the Red Sea, praise his name, or whatever he says. I love that. I love the way he delivers that line. He just, it's just a tiny bit of this episode, but it's like I, he doesn't show up again, right? The 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 father. Um, we just find out he died at the end. Yes, and yet it's just this little dialogue they have, which I don't know. It means so much, and they make it matter. Uh, and I do like that they're drinking Coca-Cola instead of, like, coffee or tea yeah. or something. Um, well, and, and yeah, in such it, a small scene, because, I mean, like I said, I really like this actor, and he plays this, like, wise old man character really well. And then even in such a s- short scene, you understand that, like, Tony has a lot of respect for him uh, yeah. just in a weird way. You just get that from, you know, their small interaction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then, did you ever watch the History Channel? (laughs) Yeah, so then we have Junior and um, Tony meeting up in the doctor's office, and uh, again, it's sort of brought up that, oh, these, did you make peace yet? And Tony repeats, like, it's kind of a repeat of the earlier scene, except uh, this time Junior brings up someone specifically who's been spreading rumors, and Tony actually asked last time, Who's been saying that shit? And now Junior tells him, so maybe that'll have some consequences. Yes, it's one of like the directors or like the head of Green Grove or what have you. He's running his mouth, that toupee wearing fuck. Uh, and he's maybe even insinuating that Uncle Junior and Olivia Soprano had a thing going on. And, you know, he has to like spit on the floor because it's his brother's wife and how dare he. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like how they play this out because we don't get the scene. We just see an empty parking space, and then we uh, find an abandoned car with a toupee underneath. So does this count? Do we chalk well, it up on the counter? Well, that, that's the thing, Jim. I don't, like, I can't say, but, like, if I can't ask you either, because I can't ask for future knowledge because it corrupts us in the present to know the future. Mm. Um, but I'm I'm going to guess that this isn't really important and it's not brought up again in which case we should raise it but like i thought almost we should raise it for big pussy so like what the fuck do i know jim i'm gonna leave it up to you to decide i think if you decide it's gonna like change the future it's like a schrodinger's death counter well i think we gotta count it i think i think there's enough there uh they're laying it on pretty thick and we're just like we see the talk we know how tony and junior both think especially about people telling these tales out of school and then we get the abandoned car and just a toupee Wookman's gonna leave his car and his toupee i think we're counting yeah. it ready let's count yep let's count it count it <laughs> 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 
what the fuck? That's new. <laughs> what is that? Let's just say that's a little piece of the future, my guy. <laughs> oh, no, we've been corrupted, just like I said. We're, the, we're disrupting the time stream, everyone. Uh, we're, we're never... The walkouts are never going to catch up. We're at five. He's not even in therapy. He doesn't have anywhere to walk out from. So if you're at home, we're at 15 casualties and five walkouts. Uh, well, but that's good, though. We don't want ones that are just coming up every time. I mean, clearly the walkouts are going to be low, but if and when, if therapy ever does start up again, you have to imagine there must be some walkouts in our future. Yes. Um, so uh, then we're at dinner and Carmilla tries to get conversation going. We find out uh, that Anthony Jr. is doing a DNA report, which will come back up again later. Uh, and Janice brings up their mother and the house and then apologizes, which sort of puts Tony in a good enough mood to say he doesn't care about the house. I'll let your friend list it, which probably means no one's listing it because the friend is a lie in a fiction. Yeah. And Janice does her little smile thing. Yes. Yeah. Like, And I do like how Tony kind of perks up at the idea that, you know, she also hates their mother or mm-hmm. like at least is get at least. She's getting the grief that he got. Like it, yeah. it really does put him in kind of a better mood, whether it be just the fact that someone's understanding where he's coming from or just the fact that someone else is taking her wrath. I, I, it's either or, or maybe a little of both. Yes. Um, and I, I think maybe, yeah, she's kind of fishing for how did you ever stand that and what did you, what did you do to get it to work? Like she's fishing for something. I, I don't remember how hard she's fishing for it in this scene, but she's definitely fishing for it in the next scene where Janice is helping Meadow practice driving and squeezes her for information about sweet little grandma because she knows they're close. And she finds out about these records that she uh, that Olivia likes. And I almost think it's something similar to or even the same as like the st- the music that Tony tried to bring her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the first few episode of the episodes of the series, right? Yeah, I think even the it was in the pilot, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um and well and and uh Meadow is I mean Janice is letting Meadow drive to bring her to buy pot, which should yeah, be which legal. Which should be legal, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> which hey, she's on the right track. She's on the right side of history. Uh and it they this episode is pro- proves our read of Meadow from last week because there's two instances here because in this scene she's talking about like oh, I want to go see grandma, but oh my God, you know, I got to study and this and that. And then later on when she uses uh, grandma as an excuse to use the car and then doesn't even go to see her. Yes, goes to see Hunter, who's like, what What does she say? I I don't recall. Something about Uh, uh, eating disorder, like she's in the hospital for an eating disorder. Oh, right. I thought Hunter was the name of... uh, uh, her boyfriend. I mixed it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hunter is her friend from season one, played by David right. Chase's daughter. Okay, good. Um, so uh, we have Olivia waking up to this music, by the way, and Parvati's there. Uh, well, Janice, <laughs> well, whatever. She's there, and she's like a vision, and it's such a change from the previous scene because she's got the nuke. She's got the secret weapon, and uh, basically just makes a great impression on good old sweet mommy. And uh, the way it's lit from the window, it looks like a painting in the final shot of this where it kind of uh, moves back a bit, and it's just pretty great. Um, so that's yeah, that's great, and it feels creepy because we know now... Janice is like so insincere. 
And we don't really know why or what her end goal is, even though we kind of suspect, but uh, this already feels a bit creepy. Well, and it also feels weird because I wouldn't expect it to work on Livia. And then I'm I'm sitting there wondering, like, is this part of Livia's long con? Like she's, uh, but yeah, I like how it plays out because yeah, she's waking up. She's waking up to the, you know the beautiful sunrise and the flowers and everything's lit nice and the music's playing and she tears up because she's like, my children, oh my god. Uh, yeah. So things are working, and we kind of it was either right before this or right after this we got Junior and Bobby in the doctor's waiting room. And yep. uh, I like. Can't how- believe you can't believe you didn't pick this clip for the intro. By I the way. almost did. I almost did, but I guess I got worried because, you know, people get sensitive sometimes. It's hard to just open up with like a racist joke, <laughs> even though the scene's really funny. Uh, <laughs> well, yes, the joke isn't the joke. That's where yes. I felt like yeah. it was pretty sophisticated for being like January two thousand, uh, as far as how they use comedy. Because he tells the racist joke, and the joke is the reaction. <laughs> Uh, like the the funny thing is the reaction or lack of reaction that he gets. Like you don't get it. And he's like, yeah, he drives a Cadillac. Yeah, and it's like and it's <laughs> hilarious. And again, showing us the secret sitcom that is hidden within the editing of The Sopranos. And uh, I mean, this episode does really well in introducing us to who Bobby Bacala is and just kind of how he's lovable and dumb. And, you know, especially because Tony's always picking on him in every scene and we do get that moment or it's coming up where, you know, Bobby has to make a comment after Tony drives away because he can't say to his face. But, you know, take a look in the mirror, you insensitive fuck or whatever he calls him. No, he calls him an insensitive cocksucker, which I also <laughs> wrote down because I liked his I like I, I started liking him for his reaction of like it, it, his feelings are genuinely hurt and he's not like, I'm going to kill you. He's like, you insensitive <laughs> cocksucker. Um, and we also see why he never rose through the ranks without people just accidentally dying all around him. Like everyone else was too ambitious and they died and he's what's left over. And uh, well, and also in this scene, I like that Junior is kind of looking around at these old sick people and mm-hmm. he's talking about seeing himself on TV. And I mean, it, it also gets paid off later at the end of this episode, like he's getting this full realization that he's an old man and he's thinking like maybe he'll get some new frames for his glasses or something. And he tries to ask another guy, you know, how much are those frames? It's like insurance. I don't look at a bill, like just a classic old man answer. And, and as we said, he's got, you know, the, the great Asian joke. And it's funny too, because going back to season one, in one of the first few episodes when we cut into junior, like with his crew at that uh, diner, they always hung out, hang out at, he had his like, he had another Asian joke. It's like, what did uh, you hear about the Asian Godfather? He made him an offer they couldn't understand, and everyone laughs because it's a hilarious joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not at all because he's the boss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it's interesting because he does start out. You like, oh, I'm a sick, frail old man, and he puts the thing in his nose, and he has the oxygen tank. And then by the end of the episode, it's almost like the reality of it is crushing down upon him. And I almost feel like if anything is going to make him flip and be an informant, I don't think he will. But if anything were to do that, it would be the fact that he's actually facing this reality that they tried to tell him about at the end of last season. Hey, you just have a few years left. You really want to live him in here? Um, And he's kind of getting a getting a little taste of old age and he's not liking it. Not that I think he would give that up because 
the only thing he has and it likes is that he is the boss or was the boss. Uh, so I don't think so. But yes, it's pretty interesting. Uh, the scene you mentioned with Bobby, uh, that's the cash. Like so, so in the in the old in the eye doctor place, the money gets handed over to Bobby, and then mm. Bobby hands it over to Tony yes. in the next scene. Yep. And I don't know what the the money is for them to go and fuck shit up and tony did say it needs to be 60 40 my way but he also said the joint fitting union is all yours i don't know percentages and like i can't do the accounting of this mafia move but i get the gist of it yeah yeah the gist is you know tony's kind of taking over he's making it seem like he's doing them a favor by giving them kind of scraps of what they once had and yeah he's they're talking about this you know they're gonna break up the protests tomorrow and you know, Bobby, you you, you got to be there, too, because we're short on people. Think of it as exercise, you fat fuck. And he had already called him a fat fuck uh, in the earlier scene when, it, like you heard at the top of the show, where Bobby just tried to make a proclamation, you know, to the victor goes the spoils. <laughs> and <laughs> it's so funny, that scene, too. Uh, I know we already kind of passed it, but it's because he's already leaving. Like, everything's already done. And it's almost like he has the thought. So he has to. St- he's like, you know what? Let me stop, and I'll say this as like a show of respect, because he even says beforehand, he's like, you know, uh, I inherited Junior. I've always liked you, and I believe him. Tony yeah. makes it seem like he doesn't believe him, but I believe Bobby always like thought well of Tony, uh, and Tony just sees him as like a little piece of shit that he can make fun of all the time. I believe Bob. Well, not a little piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I said walking calzone or whatever they say. Um, I uh, also believe Bobby. I don't believe Bobby could tell a lie yeah. uh, in his life. <laughs> like he's like George Washington or whatever you say in the U.S. He, he can't lie. Is that true? Is that a thing? Did I pick that up right? No. Yeah. What it was Washington, right? Washington could know, never tell man. a lie, and he had wooden teeth. Yeah, you tell me about Gustav Vasa. I'll tell you about <laughs> George Washington, okay? Uh, so then they have Lincoln? dinner again. You know what? It might have been Abraham Lincoln that could never tell a lie. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, it was one of so, them. Email us. Yeah, call in. <laughs> please uh, do and tell us about Gustav Vasa. Um, so, yeah, they have dinner again, and Junior's talking about DNA. Not Junior, Junior. I mean, Anthony AJ, Junior. Yeah. This is confusing. And Meadow passed her driving test. Hooray, everybody. This yeah. won't cause problems. And then Janice shows up high because as we last saw after she's she's kind of doing her victory lap after, you know, successfully manipulating her mother. We see her driving, singing a song, getting high, and she shows up late for dinner, which, of course, Tony's pissed off about. And she makes like a comment like, don't send me to bed without dinner or something like that, which makes Meadow laugh. And I'm just waiting for Tony to flip the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well he just makes a weird joke about like oh you don't eat this kind of pork <laughs> yeah. and then anthony's like huh, i get it and i I'm mean like, he is I making a joke know. he is making a joke basically that she sucks dick like yeah that, I, I, I i i that's what my assumption but i was like is that it is that tony you can do better well, than that right and i think carmela's carmela's look says it all because she doesn't say anything but she just looks at him like <laughs> Are you really making this joke at the dinner table in front of our kids? And then AJ does get it, but Tony, Tony's quick save is like, what's to get? She's a vegetarian. What do you mean? Trying to play all coy about it. <laughs> yes, but then they have a kind of friendly sort of smoke out by the pool where, you know, Tony has his own cigarettes now where he had to bum one off her last time. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, he's smoking, sitting with his feet a, in the pool. Yeah, he's got a cigar. For whatever oh, reason, sorry. maybe Carmela, 
Maybe Carmelo's okay with him smoking a cigar but not cigarettes or something. It was the 90s. Yeah, he also had a cigar with the hose, which was, uh, I don't know, there's something Freudian there. We really need uh, Melfi to come back. He's got a hose spraying water, and he's smoking a cigar, and he's jerking the hose around. There's something here. Come on. Um, so they're sitting there talking about, like, how, how can she get better, Livia, when nothing's wrong with her? And Janice says it's called face-saving therapy, basically meaning you know, the patient believes they're in therapy, so that's how they can get better, even though it's totally made up in their head. So, cool. Yeah, yeah, and they're talking about Green Grove, and uh, Tony's not footing the bill anymore, and she makes the point, I mean, this is very um, uh, U.S. stuff, because, what does she say, if Medicaid, if, if it wasn't real, Medicaid wouldn't pay for it, because that's basically like the government, and, you know, yeah. they're looking for ways not to pay for things. So if they're paying for something, they, there must be something going on. Um, well, speaking of which, Junior does say earlier, um, real Junior, not Anthony, like about the glasses, like nice country when it's like the insurance picks up the bill. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if that means it's actually a nice country or not. Like, I don't – it sounds like he's like, why should someone else pay for your glasses? I can't even <laughs> tell. I can't tell with you Americans. I don't know what makes sense. Yeah, you know, you know what, what you're does right. He mean? That's totally either way because he did like. It, on one hand, if he didn't like the frames, then he'd be like, "Oh, nice country," because oh, they got you these cheap frames. But he liked them. He's annoyed that that guy had the comp- had the country pay for him. Meanwhile, he robs everything, and uh, he's never <laughs> earned. He's never earned his own dollar in his own life. But he says he's insurance. Don't you literally have to pay for that? But it's the country's fault. Well, it depends because when you're old, you might get like Social Security and Medicaid, which I guess okay. technically you've paid for with your whole life, like as be- being a battery for the system. But I mean, now we're getting into politics. Yeah, I mean, we have to because it's really incomprehensible to the rest of the world how you do things, yeah. uh, just so you know. Um, so, yeah, they're just having a little chat in the pool, but there's nothing really resolved. Um, but Jan, we, we get it. It's very clear that Janice wants mom back in the house. That's basically and, what's established. Here. And he, does he kind of give her the go ahead here? Uh, no, that's okay, next time. Because oh, he kind of right. says, like, eh, put her back in Green Grove. And, and he's like, uh, she says, um, you know, I don't have that kind of money. And he just smokes his cigar. And she goes, fuck you. <laughs> and uh, I don't even know exactly what that means, except well, Tony doesn't want to talk about this. You know what? You know what counter uh, we missed the ball on? That may have even been better than the walkout counter was Tony saying that it's a retirement community. <laughs> that would have been oh, no. because we do get another one of those here where she's like the retirement home. You know, I can't afford these. It's a retirement community. <laughs> That's true. Well, I have a pitch for another counter coming up here in a minute. Okay. Um. So yeah, then we have Big Pussy and Tony sitting in a car, sort of scoping out this action that they're prepping for. And uh, they have a little talk about paying your dues. And, he, he, you know, he's, I think he's shitting on Bobby, um, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's talking about Bobby. Or, yeah. And so, just kind so, of in it, general, like, this, like, you know, the young generation. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, they're young or they don't, and don't listen or they're disloyal or whatever. And um, uh, Pussy kind of floats like, oh, I hope you don't feel that way about me. But Tony's like, you're the best, man. You're my best <laughs> friend, and you hold my soul in my in your hands, and I, I know you would never betray me. And Big Pussy's kind of like, yeah, of course, and he looks off into the distance, and I hope it makes him feel bad in his heart and yeah. his tummy. I hope it makes his back feel. <laughs> I hope he gets back pain <laughs> when it happens. And then, of yeah. course, we get uh, 
Matt and Sean, uh, uh, Christopher's underlings, they're like, oh, hey, there's Tony. Let's go talk to him. And, of oh course, that pisses Tony off. And he says, "What is?" It? he's like, you think I'm supposed to be seen here? You fuck or you, you, know, you fucking idiots or whatever he calls them. And, yeah, he drives at them. <laughs> <laughs> and they're kind of like, oh, no, did we just fuck something up? It's like, yeah, of course oh, you did. Now we look like doof- doofuses, dinguses. <laughs> yeah, and then the scuffle happens, the actual fight. Uh, where they uh, scare the protesters a bit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we got the big protest going down, and then Christopher comes up, and he gets called a motherfucker, and then he's like, well, yeah, don't let your mother let me fuck her all the time. And, you know, they, they he kind of goads the guy into throwing the first punch so they can get a fight, and then, of course, carloads of Italians pull up, and we got a, a nice brawl that happens, and it breaks up the the union protest. Yeah, I thought it was going to go the other way. I thought it was going to be, oh, now the protesters have backup. But no, of course, it's not. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know, the mob. We're the mob. And Bobby is there. I mean, he is, uh, he is wailing on some guy and totally out of breath, but he's doing it. <laughs> so uh, following which, we have Janice again showing up to dear mommy's place and saying, great news. Uh, or no, no, she's trying, not the news yet. She's just trying to sell like, oh yeah, we're going to take you back to your home, right? And hilariously, Livia doesn't want to go. No, I'll go to that other place. It's not so bad. They give you fresh towels every day. Uh, Motherfucker. It's so annoying, even just as us, the audience. It's so annoying when now she wants to go back to Green Grove after all the shit that she's done and and the way she's acted about it. And even though Tony... Like, doesn't hear this, and, I mean, we don't see him, like, hear about it or anything. It's still kind of like, oh, my God, if Tony even heard this right now, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So then she starts coughing, which brings in a nurse and brings up the subject of the title, the DNR, not to be confused with DNA, do not resuscitate. And Livia gets to say, why do they make cookies that <laughs> yeah, way? Gonna, because, it's, of course, nothing could possibly be her fault. Um, <laughs> I was going to bring that up. <laughs> because, yeah, she has a coughing fit and Janice freaks out. And, uh, I mean, even I haven't seen this before, I couldn't remember the specifics. I almost was wondering if she was going to like let, her, let it play out in case she was going to choke. But, uh, yeah, she has this coughing fit, makes a scene. Janice rushes to get a nurse, and when she comes back, she's like, oh, why are, why, why would they make cookies that way? Such a yeah. great, perfect line for her. Yeah, which leads us to a scene at home where Tony and Janice are arguing about the DNR. Uh, and this is where Tony, like, is so fed up. He says, fine, take her and the house and the DNR. He throws it all on the table because he's just been hacked away at and he doesn't want to hear about it anymore. Well, and plus he's really frustrated at the new TV setup that he's trying to do. <laughs> I love that oh, detail because, yeah. again, I can relate to this so well. Even though I know electronics, but sometimes when it just doesn't work. And then I'll be, yeah. like, fucking around with the remote and I'll be like, what the fuck? And... <laughs> <laughs> just yelling yes. curses about the TV, and it's so yeah. great. It, it, it's just he's already annoyed about that, and of course, when he has to talk about his mother, which he doesn't want to talk about and doesn't want to hear about, he's pissed off about that. And then dumb AJ Soprano is making a Sunday in uh, in the background, and this flimsy seeds they've been planting the whole episode, where he keeps talking about his DNA, uh, <laughs> his DNA report, and how it's going to tie to DNR. It's so frustrating the way this plays out, but it's a perfect well, AJ Soprano subplot. Well, speaking of breadcrumbs, I've been dropping some during this podcast about a fucking rat 
who is gonna be the the true villain yet to reveal himself if tony's ever behind bars mark my words it's gonna be because anthony jr walked into a police station asking hey when your dad says he's gonna cap someone what does that mean is it like a bottle cap <laughs> fucking aj this is your only function in this story and this is also why we need an aj fuck something up counter i feel Mm. Probably. Because this uh, is the second time, and yes. uh, and just here we are, just the early of season two, and he, he does the same thing. It's just leaking information to Livia Soprano. Again. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> it's so, but like it makes perfect sense when you see the dumb look on his face as he's watching them argue. And he's, and we know, because every time we've seen him in this episode, he's been bringing up DNA. That's all he does, bring up DNA. Yep. And now they're talking about a DNR. So to him, it's like, wait a minute, that sounds like DNA. Uh, yep. And what is his awful question earlier uh, when they're at lunch? Uh, not at lunch, at dinner. And he's like, do you know how many, uh, shit, I forget. But it's something like, do you know how many threads or something are in DNA? And then Meadow's yeah. just like, just tell her. He's like, half a million <laughs> or like 500 million like or whatever. 100 million, yeah, 100 million fair, whatever it is but whatever <laughs> but it's just a question that no one is gonna answer <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so it leaks the information to be fair i mean this is like this is fine because we're not on janice's side we do, we want this information to be leaked we want something to come off it i'm just worried about you know there's a little hole in the ship that's called the Sopranos, and the hole is AJ, and everything is going to leak out of this hole at I'm some s- point. I have to apologize. That's my OBS. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Um, so anyway, moving on, we do have the immediate reaction of this, where Janice shows up again to her mother, and uh, is all Janice is all friendly and all smiles, and then... Uh, Obviously, uh, Olivia is not on board as much because she just heard, basically, my children want to kill me. I mean, I'm sure she's always thought that, but now it's basically confirmed. Yes, and uh, yeah, now it's laid out what what the end game could be. I mean, because Tony, I mean, we already have an idea that he, you know, he already had an attempted uh, smothering. But now it's kind of becoming clear what Janice might be up to because... Hey, there's a house. She's already got a car. She's potentially got a house on the line. All she has to mm-hmm. do is maybe uh, get Olivia out of the picture and maybe get some money on top of everything else. Yeah, and she sold her ballet shoes to buy amphetamines in Newark. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, then we get, I mean, she, she keeps picking on Janice, but we get this shot that's so fucking creepy of the sign in case of fire, use the stairs. And it's like keep picking and keep picking and the way it's edited and put together i've sometimes picked on the sopranos for their little stylistic choices that don't feel like they fit in but this fits in so well like it's not like a weird freeze frame like it's it's kind of jarring but it's jarring in just the right way and it's so creepy because i mean probably you watched it at home but if you in case you didn't like pause it to see what's happening it's it's a sign for fire and she's looking at it and then it sort of flashes in closer with white and Livia's head is put on a person falling down the stairs in vaguely insinuating what's on her mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's such a hard thing to pull off because it's so easily can be uh, like corny and comedic, but I, I, I agree. I do think the way they do it works. And even when it cuts back, 
to a wider shot and you just kind of see Olivia's, Olivia's eye like in the corner of the frame kind of and the signs in the background. And I like the way uh, she's playing, like the way Olivia's playing this because it feels like we're kind of getting past some of the I had a stroke, I don't remember horse shit, even though she does call her a different name, so it's still there, but her tone's different, and she's like, think about it, Janice. Where'd I hide my money? Where's my money, Janice? Like, it's a smart way to show that this lady still knows what's what, and she could still kind of manipulate and control things on her own, and she's, like, flipping the script a bit on Janice. That's what that is, because I, I had a hard time, cause, because he calls her a different name, I was like, oh, is this proof that she's losing her marbles? Because if you're telling her about money, that's the thing that she wants. But I guess it's kind of to say, don't kill me yet yeah. until I found the money for you, right? Yeah, I didn't that's get how that I read the first it. time. Yeah, that's no, how- I think that's, that, that adds up with when she calls the household a bit later and tries to say, oh, give all my money to the grandchildren and Janice is going to kill me. And like, <laughs> she's right for once and it sucks. And this whole scene is like, I was kind of blown away by like, whoa, I just got worried about Livia Soprano. What the fuck? I'm like Tony over here. Like, no, fuck her. She's dead to me. But then I'm like, oh, no. Don't don't kill Livia, and then I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Why would I think that? Kill Livia, of course. But like, I was with Tony with the pillow, but then I'm not. What a great story! And plus, the way it kind of with that call, and it just shows that she is alone. Like her, her constant being herself, I guess, for lack of a better description, pushed everyone away. That even at this point, where she. It's like the boy who cried wolf, I guess. She is kind of legit mm-hmm. talking about some danger she might be in, and she just gets hung up on because it's like, after all you've done, I'm not even going to listen to you because, number one, you're probably just doing your same old shit that you always do, and we don't want your drama in our fucking life right now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the last, well, not last, but but the big, only big scene we haven't mentioned is when Tony goes back to the Reverend finds out his father passed away so that actor could move on to star in even more movies and television shows <laughs> as, as an old man. Uh, and they talk about different generations and about how they're all passing away and we're going to be the old ones now. Watch out, man. And I think Tony's like, nah, I'll, I'm, I'm going to be a boy forever. I'm all Peter Pan over here. Um, and then he hands him money and it was all a setup? Yeah. What a, And it's such a... Um such a like pessimistic view that's handled very nonchalantly like uh or i guess reveal i should say because you know there's truth to it there's a lot of people that seemingly have these noble uh you know feats and they want they want to take down the system but then you find out it's all just another scam and they were just trying to drum up some uh some publicity to get some money from the construction bid, and then they got another plan. Oh, what's up with this next place? We'll see who wins the bid, and on and on it goes. Yeah, and even more because the father of the reverend didn't know about this, and they're talking about, like, oh, the last great generation dying away, but he was the one standing up there with the megaphone actually standing for it and believing in it and fighting for his son's cause, their same cause, not knowing that it's all a sham, basically, and they're even going to, like, intentionally get these people hurt who are there just to get some money for them to be driven out of there. And, uh, 
yeah, I guess I had a hard time getting as well. Like, I was kind of like, wait, at what point did this get settled? Because he goes to see the Reverend, and I was almost like, okay, so he pays him off then or makes the deal then. But no, it's like the whole protest is Tony's idea, right? Yeah, for the most part. It's basically they set this up, put some pressure on the construction company. And instead of the construction company just kind of trying to do the right thing, they're like, how can we get out of this? Well, let's pay a bunch of money to the mob. And, you know, but then again, it's because they knew that's what what was going to happen. And to what you said, I mean, I guess I didn't even really put it together till now. It does tie into Tony and Junior's relationship because the idea of Junior dying means Tony is becoming that last thread and becoming the old man. So that's even another selfish reason for Tony (laughs) wanting to keep Junior alive in a way. Yeah, and we we mentioned uh, accounting and mob maths earlier. If someone wants to get their ledger out and let us know, I'd be interested. But he does say earlier that, no, the split has to be 60-40 my way to Junior. Now here he's saying it should be 3-2 my way. I got to kick upstairs to Uncle Junior. Yeah. So he's talking to this guy like Junior's still the boss. He got the majority share. How much of the money, like, this is a fucking SAT question. Like, how much of the money does Tony have at the end? Because I assume it's most. Most of it. Yeah, Tony's really working it well. There's a reason why he was kind of the the wonder kid, I think they describe him in, in season one. He knows how to really play everyone. Uh, you, you know, you're talking about Big Pussy playing everyone uh, all sides against the middle. Tony, uh, Tony Soprano, you can learn a thing or two from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then he gets a call and heads over to Junior and picks him up and carries him bridal style out into the world. And that's the shot we cut to black on, I believe. Yes, it is. Yeah. And and I guess going back to Tony's small conversation with um, the Reverend's father, I guess that does also inform maybe his thoughts on Uncle June and kind of, uh, I guess, that relationship with the past and with History Channel and respecting your elders uh, outside of his mother, of course. Of course. Uh, you know, going through it, it doesn't seem that weird to me that he'd pick him up. Like, it's 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 big, but it's not... Like, the other storyline does support it in a weird way. And having him talk to an old guy and about the History Channel and, and World War II and everything in a weird way, it's propping up this end point where he is carrying him out of there so i guess it adds up it would also have made sense if they had one episode where they're just yelling at each other but uh it's almost like yeah the the game the game's over you won and junior just enjoys getting to say hey i could have killed you and tony gets to say ah but you didn't Uh uh-huh now let's go eat dinner together at the table like we always did and do they mention something does his lawyer mention something about junior serving in I don't know if they say World War II or not, because I'm trying to think how old he is, if that would yeah, even watch. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, that kind of ties in as well. And I do like... Yeah, uh, it is. That's why he brings up Nazi Germany and yes, that stuff. Yeah, you're right. And then uh, I, I do like Junior's, you know, he doesn't want to go to the emergency room. He's fine. He's okay. He's not just some old man that would break his hip in the shower, like, because it's such a yeah. cliche. I mean, obviously, there, there's a reason why it is, because it's a very real danger, but that's not going to happen to him. The boss of the Soprano family... Uh, and then he does have to get picked up, which is, I guess, uh, a shot against his manliness and his youthfulness, but also a great uh, uh, advancement for his relationship with his nephew. And he keeps pushing for, you know, the resolution between Tony and Livia because he doesn't want to yeah. 
leave this world with the guilt that he may have messed up a mother and son relationship, even though it had nothing to do with him in reality. Yes. Now, as I said at the start, I felt that some stuff got started here or I could see where it's starting to go. And I think that's honestly mostly the Janus storyline, which I was not super invested in at all last week. But just this weird threat and this weird question of what is Janus actually capable of? It's not at all clear to me at this point because she's just a weird scamming person. But like she also did go to run to get a nurse when she was choking. She wasn't like, yeah, die. Like <laughs> and she's a like, human I, being as well. Yeah, and it's and a weird tension that. of what's going to happen. Yeah, and I almost expected that. And, and and also, like, talking through the episode, I'm, like, way more positive on it than I was at the start of the conversation. So that's kind of why we do this. And we always point out how we're going week to week, and it's a different take. But uh, yeah. that's, uh, that's why this is a fun thing to do, because even episodes when you initially watch them and you think, oh, eh, ho-hum on that one, and then you talk it out and everything starts to fall into place, and then you like it a lot more than you did originally. Yeah, because we watch most shows pretty casually, and even when it's pretty obvious, we don't always connect together why something is happening. Like, oh yeah, I talked to some old guy, and then he carried Junior out? What? <laughs> but then it's like, oh no, it does connect. He passed away. He's His relationship with the older generation, yada yada. Uh, it's, it's a lot going on. So uh, we can all look forward to lots more discussion of The Sopranos, followed by uh, Northern Exposure. Absolutely. And whatever that other show they were on, the commish or something. Yeah, all of them. Um, I, that does tie it up, but I just wanted to mention that there is a podcast called Jim and Them that you can listen to at jimandthem.com or find on uh, Twitch, twitch.tv at, or not at, slash Jim and Them. Is that, that how is Twitch works? Correct. Yes. Mm. And that's where you can get more of uh, those intriguing sounders that sometimes mysteriously play on Jim's OBS. Uh, and uh, for me, you can find my stuff at awesomepedia.org or Awesomepedia on YouTube. I got some video essays up on there about writing, the writing of television. I have uh, several more things in the pipeline, so check that out. And uh, is there anything else, Jim? Well, there is one more thing. What's that? Cut to black. Cut to black.